1: It's another Thursday night in the basement. We have the Redskins on. You know, that prime time slime. Uh, Right now they are going up against our jilted lover and Kirk Cousins. Things are not going so well. Uh, That'll be for next week's podcast, presumably. This is Hogs Night of Portcast. Thank you all for tuning in. We got B. Jaroomba.
0: Happy to be here.
1: We got Neb O'Neill.
0: What's going on? We
1: have Dr. Chris Jones. Thanks for joining. And a very special guest, um, our very first non-Hogs Haven call-in guest. It's Oscar Aparicio from Better Rivals, the Niners Nation, SB Nation channel podcast. Thank you for joining us. Oscar, how's it going? It's going
2: really, really well. Uh, It's going, I think, nine points better than y'all are. Uh, whoa,
1: yeah, whoa, whoa. Mm. Um, coming in
2: hot, fellas, coming in <laughs> hot.
1: Listen, uh, we're clearly masochists because a we like the Redskins and b we watched that atrocious game between Washington and uh, and your beloved Niners this past weekend. So we will take whatever you throw our way uh, with, we'll take we'll
2: take it standing up. I think the best part about that game was that it ended in lightning speed. It was just two hours, 36 minutes. It was like everyone knew, you know what? Let's just get the hell out of here because this is not pretty.
0: Yeah, no no one...
2: Well, I think overall the weather was really the great equalizer because it really forced the Niners to play into the Redskins' strength because Mm. you guys really have some really good run-stuffing players on the defensive line. Uh, I I mean, you look at what Matt Ioannidis did, and he was, especially in that first half, just all over the tape. That dude was shedding people left and right, uh, and he was able to make some really, really positive plays in the run game. and When the Niners didn't have to to pass the ball, um, or really when they couldn't pass the ball, all of a sudden your linebackers' run fits were just a whole hell of a lot better. So I think overall it was it was a dangerous game for the Niners. It was it was a game I'm glad they escaped with the win on, but it was a game that could have been very very different uh, if a field goal goes in uh, or uh, or something or or a turnover you know ends up going uh, the other way because yeah yeah, it, it was a little scary it was tense at times but. I think even in those tough games, I think the Niners are just a more talented team. I think they are a better coached team. And those two things ended up rising to the top. And I think ultimately that ends up in, a, in an ugly Nine to zero win, but hey, uh, a win is still a win in the win column when you get to the end of the season. And
0: skins held the spread. Come on, no, how about, how about no. that? That's right. They okay, they so they covered, covered the spread nine and a half. Nine. And yes, and half.
2: it was. No, wait, they they covered it. the spread. That's they right, covered right. the spread, even though they did not score a point, That's which is right. absurd. The, this is the ridiculous. second
0: time in a long time. I think. I, know, yeah, I did. I did bet against the Redskins, so I was very angry at them for that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that was, that was a, not pretty. That was a tough game to watch, but um, I think we all thought it went exactly how we thought it would go. You could say, I guess the defense looked okay. I don't know. Like, letting up nine points, but the rain kind of definitely, yeah, equalized, as you said, for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there were some things to take away if if you're a Redskins fan. You look at someone like Matt Ioannidis. I think Ryan Anderson didn't play a full game, but Ryan Anderson had a couple of good plays where he popped on tape as well. Fabian Fabian Moreau wasn't an atrocity this game, uh, (laughs) which is not always what you're going to get when you're watching the Redskins so you know I do think that you have some positives to take away from that defense but it it was I think a weather related defensive performance because if not for the weather I think you get a lot more through the air and even with the weather the Niners were able to do a bit through the air Um, and that just goes back to Kyle Shanahan's coaching I mean the the big long pass to to Richie James that 40 yarder uh, was on a concept called squirrel and it was it was a stick nod that you, you know it's third and three you think it's a stick all of a sudden, you've got Richie James in the middle of the field, wide open for 40 yards. Um, that's just great play call, great coaching. Uh, and Bill Callahan wasn't ready for that. Can, you, can you tell him
0: to learn that, or uh, can you just tell him how to how to coach that, please? <laughs>
2: uh, how to tell Bill Callahan how to coach? Um, I mean, I think <laughs> you guys got to start with like, don't run the ball first.
1: <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's that's all we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you talk about that play, the long stretch. We have, we're not big X's and O's guys insofar as like anyone who's not doing this professionally is or is not but uh, one of the things that has been a standout this year definitely a negative on the Redskins defensive side is that gap between the linebackers and the safeties it's sort of just been where tight ends have sat down where crossing routes have sat down all year long and it's like oh look there's they're wide open and there's no one within 10 yards of them the safeties are back the linebackers are up And, I mean, insofar as the Niners were able to move the ball through the air, clearly they watched the tape.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that it was difficult. It was difficult in this game specifically because it was so run heavy. I actually didn't think that the play-action game affected the team, affected the defense as much as it would typically Typically, when you've got Jimmy Garoppolo on play action, he has about three more yards per attempt than he does when he uh, is not using play action. So on average, he has like just over 10 yards when, when the team is in play action, like seven yards when they're not. But in this game, it was pretty even. It was about seven and some change, whether it was play action, whether it was not play action. And that's just because the linebackers didn't have to worry too much about too much of that passing game. I mean, combined, I think there were what, like 33, 36 pass attempts total? so overall it was just not a threat that they had to worry about and so they could really play downhill they can really get up into their run fits, and, and I think that ended up helping that Washington defense is was just a few times they did get caught uh, those were you know big catches and uh, ultimately that led to, to nine points and, and the win
0: yeah what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Garoppolo overall how, how are you feeling about him as a new quarterback
2: you know, I think that Garoppolo still does the things that you want a quarterback to do very well. He performs incredibly well from a clean pocket. His processing speed is quick. He's got a very, very fast release, and he's good under pressure. Yeah, I do think that you have to remember he still only has 16 games of starting experience under
1: his belt. Yeah, all kinds and, of and hype, so, too. I mean, coming in, he the expectations were sky high, and then that injury happens, and people are left questioning you know, is this ever gonna materialize? But um, have you seen a measure of patience in the fan base about sort of like understanding, like he hasn't even played a full season or been able to string together even a half a season of healthy games at this point?
2: Man, I think winning fixes everything because I think if if this team were two and three or three and two even. And you've got the interceptions that he's had, and you've got some of those things. I think you you see more of the Mullins stands come out and say, yeah. "Oh, like Nick Mullins, maybe we get Nick Mullins." But Nick, Nick Mullins, Mullins is, <laughs> is not a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think <laughs> that the fan base would be a bit more restless if they were not sitting atop the NFC West and and one of the two undefeated teams in the NFL.
1: Yeah, was he? Let's see, twelve of twenty-one, 151 yards, and an interception. I mean, not a passer's dream, but. When you compare to Case Keenum, 9 of 12 for 77 yards through the air. um, It was just never going to be anyone's day, certainly uh, on the passing side.
2: No, and and, I mean, you think of the interception that Jimmy Garoppolo threw, and it wasn't a good one. He didn't look the safety off enough. And at that point, you've got a safety that's already cheating over the top. And and it just, it it was a bad throw. It was a bad throw, and the ball hung up there, and it was easy pickings. Easy pickings. Um, but I, I feel bad for Case Keenum. It, it could not have been fun to hit that mud as hard as he did a few times. <laughs> yeah, um, it, I mean, he it, tripped, it,
0: right? What? A, what a. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: He, he tripped over his shoelaces. His shoelaces just happened to be named Nick on the left and Bosa on the right.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Oscar, thank you again for joining us. Um, you mentioned that winning fixes all, and uh, the 49ers have done quite a bit of that so far. I wanted to get your uh, impression
2: on the season so far and if there's been any surprises. I know personally uh, that 49er defense has been a surprise for me. Absolutely, I think you have to start with the defense. You know in the preseason we said that this team was going to go as far as the defense took them. Last year their defense was really bad, especially in coverage. They had zero pass rush and their corners were pretty terrible. And and we know that you don't have to have the best defense in the whole wide world, but y- you do have to have more than a wet paper towel. Mm. And and that's what the Niners were last year. I thought that the defense could take a step forward and be middle of the pack. And I thought that if they could do that, then Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo were going to do enough with the offense to get them into that wild card mix. I predicted their season is nine and seven. If everything went well, maybe ten and six. But this defense is playing at a historically good pace. Yeah. The corners have all taken a step forward. Richard Sherman is now healthy. He's not playing with a suture in his Achilles, which I'm not even sure what that is, but it does not sound good. Uh, and you've got Akella Witherspoon, who took the leap we thought he was going to take last year. He took it this year. Emmanuel Mosley is an undrafted free agent that has been holding his own as a backup. A- and you've got all of a sudden, you've got the pieces of the secondary that can hold their own and actually cover long enough for Bosa and Ford and Armstead and Buckner to get there. And and this defense is playing as a tight, integrated unit. I think the addition of Joe Woods as a position coach for the secondary has been a fantastic addition. And and really, the story for the season thus far for the 49ers is absolutely the defense.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, from an outside perspective, you say, "Okay, well, they bring in Bosa, and they're immediately better." But it's it's interesting to hear you from an insider's, more insider's perspective to be able to say, "Like, well, it's not just one guy." Although clearly, this past, you know, this Sunday, uh, Bosa played such a huge key part um, and was really creating havoc. Look, the, I mean, the Redskins' offensive line is pretty atrocious right now, and we've been talking all year about. How there's been ripple effects of not having Trent Williams, but even for a halfway competent defensive front, teams will just eat that up. And and we saw it a ton as uh, as really they made their hay down in the trenches for sure
2: yeah it really is everything clicking for the 49ers defense because it is obviously the defensive line that's getting a lot of the story with bosa and ford but you even think about the linebackers and kwan alexander is bringing a bit of an attitude to the team and giving him a bit of their swagger but then you think of the defensive changes that robert sala has made uh, and he used to be a pretty straightforward cover three defense and they played cover three like 75 percent of the time well you bring joe woods in and now all of a sudden the niners are playing more split safety looks they're playing more too high more cover four and and that's made a significant difference in the ability to cover as well sure and so it is everything it's the assistant coach upgrade uh it is the the defensive coach uh the defensive coordinator robert Sala sticking to his philosophy but not being so dogmatic that he's not able to take the influence of someone like joe woods it's players taking the next step and it's an infusion of talent i mean everything went in the 49ers favor and that's why they're playing lights out
1: so it's interesting you said that you predicted sort of maximally a 10 and 6 season would you say that your expectations matched that of the fan base at large um i know for years and years around here everyone's like yeah i mean maybe 9 and 7 10 and 6 probably and you know it's delusional uh i think folks around here have come back to earth a little bit we uh, love
0: that 500 number well yeah and they usually end up being
1: seven and nine or eight and eight um this year we're they, finally not gonna hit that that's right I'm they won't it. be seven and nine but uh, was uh be careful what you wish for right <laughs> yeah well uh was it was, was is your impression that your expectations were kind of i mean it seems like you're close you're gonna be close to the mark uh based on how things are going but was that sort of the overall sentiment going into this year
2: I do think the overall sentiment was that this team was going to push for a playoff spot and be in that area. It just depended on what you thought the rest of the division was going to be at. Because I think the preseason the preseason projections were that it was the Rams going to be at the top, and then the Seahawks and the Niners yeah. were going to be competing for that wild card spot, and whomever was going to come out on top and end up with that extra win was going to get that spot. But right now, it looks like it's going to be a, a dogfight between the Seahawks and the 49ers for that division crown. And I have no idea what's going to happen to Jared Goff. He's going to you know, count all $36 million of his dollars uh, in the offseason because he's going to have some extra time to do it. <laughs> and, and so it's going to be definitely... Uh, I think that they're probably on track to win more like 11-12 games, the 49ers are so far this year. And if they did that, um, I mean, that's, that's a hell of a jump. And Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala... And John Lynch all deserves some credit.
1: Yeah, the the NFC West this year has kind of been the anti NFC East, where you have three teams that are not just legitimate contenders to win the division, but like really, it seems like could make on on paper. I mean, the Rams right now not looking so hot, but like could make playoff runs. I mean, clearly we saw the Rams do it last year. Whereas in the East, it's like. It could be one of those years where it's like, okay, if you can win seven games, like maybe we'll just let you come in and get a participation trophy.
0: <laughs> if the Giants won last week, I really think they could win the division. Hey, they were playing Arizona and they lost. Redskins Red like,
1: are only three games out of four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we
0: still have a chance. We're not we're, – we're still in there. Oh, my God. Get we're out still in there. Uh, I'm an optimist.
1: Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, that's it's so – it's quite fascinating. that That division also plays – it seems – like a very different style of football than what we're accustomed to In NFC East. It's a lot of like grinding it out, uh, games that run slow between the tackles, whereas, you know, anytime you put on uh, the Niners now or like the Seahawks for the past couple of years, like you're airing it out, things are moving and clicking, and it's definitely just a different style, and it, it's it's fun to watch on occasion. This this past Sunday being the notable exception that, I mean, y- you throw out, all the records on, uh, on how that went.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I do think that the... I thought that the NFC West was going to look a bit more like the Big 12 in the style of football they played. I mean, you think of yeah. Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona, you yeah. think of Sean McVay with the Rams, you have the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan, and then Pete Carroll's off in his own little corner screaming, run the ball. But, but you look at the way that they're actually playing, and the Niners in, in, are relying on their run game a whole hell of a lot. You guys got a pretty good dose of that, you know, weather notwithstanding. The Seahawks are still running the ball, um, and the Rams are trying to do that as well. So uh, I think that while the the outcome in the passing game might be a little different, you still see a, a pretty good reliance on on that run game. The 49ers, I think at this point, are averaging over 35 to 38 carries per game. Mm. Part of that is because of positive game script. They're winning at the end. But a big piece of it is that they're trying to hide their two tackles because their two tackles are injured. And so you've got Joe Staley and Mike McGlingey who are injured. You've got Dan Brunskill uh, and Justin School who are playing. And what's the best way to hide those guys? Run the ball. And if you're playing in a positive game script where you're not behind too much, you can do that, and you can hide those young tackles.
0: Nice. Um, So you mentioned the uh, the success of your team obviously goes well in hand with the head coach Kyle Shanahan, and we're very familiar with him here in Washington, as he was our head or not our head coach, our offensive coordinator. Revision uh,
2: is history, my friend. Yeah. I, I can see the wish. I can see the wish uh, <laughs> coming yeah, right I know.
0: You. We've done it before with McVay. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, w- I just want to know, what are your impressions? Um, we had him with RG3, and there were some, you know, disagreements, and we obviously shipped him out to Cleveland, and then now you guys have him. So what, what are your impressions of him so far as a head coach for you guys?
2: Uh, my firstborn son's name is going to be Kyle Shanahan Aparicio. Ah. Uh, um, first first
0: full name, but that's a long first name.
2: <laughs> hey, man, I'm saying, look, I'm Latino, so we're, we're known for long names. <laughs> all right. That's completely normal within my culture. I have actually a tattoo of Chris Sims on my calf uh, because Kyle Shanahan has a tattoo of Chris Sims on his body. So I figured you know, I'm going to be just like him. I love him that much. <laughs> this is how much I love this man. I want to do everything like him uh, because he's great. I mean, honestly, I do think he's done a phenomenal coaching job. I think he is one of the brightest young offensive minds. His, his, the way that he calls plays is, is so great. He understands at his core that you need deception on offense to win. I mean, you think of the effectiveness of play action. It's because it's a, it's a deceiving thing. You make defenders think. You think of that stick nod play that we talked about to Richie James. Well, it looks like the stick concept, but it's actually going to be a, a deep pass down the middle of the field. It looks like one thing, it, as, it is actually another. He understands this just intuitively, and he gets it. The dude's a savant. And, and you think to yourself, okay, not everyone who can call plays like that is going to be good at team building, is going to be good at doing the things that a head coach needs to do, and yet, despite two years where the Niners did not win very much, and that locker room could have completely imploded, he kept everyone together, he's kept that place tight-knit, he knows the types of personalities that he needs in order to continue to win and build the team. I mean, I, I can't say enough positive things about him. I absolutely think he is the right man for the job, and I never want him to leave San Francisco.
1: Yeah, he, uh, I mean, insofar as anyone could get riled up about anyone saying mean things about the Redskins, um, I, I think people were had a begrudging Acceptance of his comments in the earlier in the week, where he's saying that his favorite part of being in Washington was being with his dad, and his least favorite part was everything else. And I mean, around here, the impression was, yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, it's it's like, oh, well, that's bulletin board material. It's like, well, we don't really like them either. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they, it's it's stuff like that where I mean. I imagine, like, Niners fans probably got a kick at it at hearing him say that.
2: Yeah, it was pretty funny. It, he's He is and can be refreshingly honest in, in some of those press conferences. And so hearing him say something like that, at this point, we're a little used to it. He, he is a bit more tongue-in-cheek and, and a bit more sarcastic. Uh, and so I think the media here is used to it. But I can totally understand how if you're not used to it, you see that come across the wire, come across from one of the... The Washington beat writers and you're like, What the hell did he just say? Hey,
0: I um, I want that out there. Yeah. I want everyone <laughs> to know what we have to deal with.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a there's the like I said, we started off there's like a measure of masochism and so things have like really kind of the wheels have fallen off a little bit, clearly, you know, with Jay Gruden being fired and it our impression was that it got a lot more national attention than the team has gotten. And we were we're like ready to welcome it with open arms like, all right, let's point and laugh at this total putz who's run this great franchise into the ground. So let's um, score zero points. Yeah. And then they go out, <laughs> score zero points and cover this. <laughs> um, but so
2: we have this content. We, we had this thing for the 49ers for a long time that we that I started on the podcast called The Elegant Tank where you want to lose because you need those draft picks and you know if if the Niners wouldn't have had such a shitty year last year then they wouldn't have been able to get Nick Bosa but you want to do so like and not lose all hope you want to like fail elegantly you don't want to lose the
1: fan base too
2: exactly right so I think that this game like covering the spread but scoring zero points and losing the game and improving draft position You know, the the elegant tank may be a mantle that y'all can take uh, on this show here moving forward.
0: That that, or losing to my, or beating Miami in a garbage time two point conversion stop. Yeah, that's
1: right. (laughs) I mean, we 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 had that Miami game where it was, I guess people were calling it the Tank Bowl, um, (laughs) and you know we we recognize they are actively, openly tanking, and they almost beat the Redskins, whereas the difference is the Redskins were like, yeah, like I think we could be pretty good this we're year. We're like a piece away. Yeah, really just one guy still away. still have a chance. <laughs> and so, I don't know. As you can tell, it's a little bit bleak around here, but uh, we're, we're, we're powering through. We're, we're, we're still here. We're still talking about them, so uh, there's that at least.
2: I know the feeling, man. Just keep having some great beer uh, and, and keep making jokes, because trust me, when, when it turns around, uh, and hopefully maybe Bruce Allen. Uh, ends up leaving. Maybe Dan Sly- Dan Snyder's never going to sell no, the team. No, Who am I kidding? No. But
1: <laughs> well, so um, so that's actually an interesting point. And this is a thing that um, I was thinking about in the week leading up to the game. Is I and I don't take this as an insult. I promise, I don't mean it this way. I see <laughs> I see a lot of similarities between the Redskins franchise and the Forty ers franchise. You're still there. You haven't hung up. So I feel like I can proceed. Uh, you know, it's young owner that took the team over and I think was considered to be a little bit arrogant, right. Um, In Jed York. And really my sense was that he was very much not liked in the, in some of his early moves and sort of the way that he comported himself. Um, A a stadium that's a little bit remote from the city that uh, the team plays in. And you know, the perception being like, "Oh, the best years they had were back in the '90s," and you know, I, I sort of see those those things as as being somewhat similar. Now, clearly, the Niners have turned a corner, and that's like the big difference. And it seems like there's a lot of hope, and um, everyone, uh, you seem quite bright, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in the way that the the Niners are comporting themselves, whereas Washington has not been able to get themselves out of that rut. And so, I'm I'm curious if you see any of that and if so uh you know what was the thing that was that sort of like turned things in the right direction um and can we have some of it
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's that's a great point. I, I do agree there are some similarities. I, I think the difference ultimately, though, is that Dan Snyder is no longer a young owner. Yeah. I mean, Dan Snyder took the team over in 99. Right. He's been the owner now for 20 years and oh. then some, and you're still getting the same crap that you got when Dan Snyder was young Dan Snyder. Yeah. Hey, I mean, Dan hey, Snyder
0: one playoff win. Come on, now, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what?
2: Yeah, I mean, hey, man, you, you hang on to whatever Binky you need to, but ultimately, like <laughs> that 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 was the problem with San Francisco, and, and and the thing that really turned it around was that just like y'all, I think uh, Jed York chose the general manager over the head coach and Trent Balky instead of Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. He should have stuck with Jim Harbaugh, but instead he stuck with a crappy general manager. But th- the difference was that Jed York had the insight, growth, humility, uh, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure what it is to say, you know what, this actually isn't working. I chose wrong. And he cleaned house and got rid of Chip Kelly and got rid of Trent Baalke and said, I want two people that can work together. And it doesn't matter what it takes to get those people. Uh, and he got Shanahan and he got Lynch for six-year deals. And that's the thing that I don't think you're going to get from Dan Snyder is because Dan Snyder's hubris, I think, is ultimately what's going to prevent him from cleaning house and doing the things that he needs to do, which is sign the checks and get out of the way.
1: So do you feel as though the fan base has changed their attitude towards ownership after that? There's there was sort of a, a change of the guard there and a recognition that something wasn't going right um, maybe publicly or not admitting that there needed to be a bit of a shift did that also have a a concurrent shift in the way that people felt about about Jed York
2: yeah absolutely I think that you know again winning fixes everything and now that you know you don't hear much from Jed York he's not the public face of the franchise now that's John Lynch you don't hear anything really from from Jed York and the fans are fine the fans are okay with it because he made the right decision and he got out of the way I think if you still had Jed York out here in press conferences saying things like, you know, we don't hang division championships, we hang Super Bowl banners or whatever, then everyone would roll their eyes and say, you're an idiot. Shut up. You haven't done anything. Um, and so I do think that the fan base has changed their, their perception a little bit of them. But if things start to tank and things don't go well, you'll, you'll hear them come out and, and be honest about them. Um, and so I do think that the fan base has gotten a little better towards them, but that's mostly going to ebb and flow with the wins and losses of the team.
1: Sounds nice. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, it's... We'll certainly uh, be keeping our eye out there. I mean, it's not as though... Maybe maybe we could be bandwagon 49er fans. We're, we're currently accepting bids, uh... All right, here's here's what you
2: need to know if you're going to be a bandwagon 49er fan. Yeah. Uh, one, George Kittle is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and every time that he makes a first down, he does this thing where he kind of, it's from wrestling where he just kind of does like, it's almost, it almost looks like a three-point sign with Steph Curry where he kind of dips it with three fingers down. Uh, so whenever you see Kittle get a first down, just do that immediately. Yeah, Trust me, you'll look a, cool. Uh, Matt Breida is a generational talent. That man, uh, I'm so glad the Niners drafted him in the first round of the undrafted free agent draft mm-hmm. uh, because he is so fast. He's explosive. Um, I would stack him up there with any other running back uh, in the NFL. And and the Niners, you know, and those are two players that if, if you know a little bit about them, you're like, all right, these guys have a bit of bona fides. Um, and, and then you, you take one old player that you're like, you know, I've been there. I've been a fan forever. And it can't be like Jerry Rice, Joe Montana. Throw out Dexter Carter Dexter or Carter. William Floyd. Okay. William Barnum Floyd fullback drafted in the first round last fullback actually to be drafted in the first round uh and so and so yeah those those are the little fun facts that you can prove your bona fides for in case anyone says you're a bandwagon.
1: okay i think that that's a pretty good uh, pretty good pitch for uh for niners nation <laughs>
2: well absolutely man welcome welcome aboard my friends
1: We'll, we'll have to circle back uh, come playoff time and once we make our announcement. Once we're both in the playoffs yes. knock on w- Oh my gosh you can see we have some Stockholm Syndrome still lingering <laughs> around here Well Oscar we really appreciate you taking the time to chat um, we wish you the best of luck over the course of the rest of the season uh, undefeated I'm sure it feels great um, anything in particular other than the rest of the season that you're looking forward to or working on? Man, I'm
2: I'm really excited when the 49ers are going to be back at full strength again because Kyle Buschek is you know he's got a knee injury and mm. so when he comes back the the Shanahan w- offense will be unleashed. Getting both tackles back is going to be great. And oh man, I'm really glad about Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders oh, is yeah. immediately the, the best wide receiver on the team, and he's 32 years old, but he's still damn good at football. Yeah, that's and, a, and a nice that's, addition there for sure. Exactly. The Niners haven't had to rely on their passing offense too much yet, but they will eventually, because they're going to base some really, really good teams in the back half of their schedule. Um, that game against Baltimore is going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, two games against Seattle, a game against New Orleans. Um, it's it's going to be some fireworks later on this year, and I'm glad that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be there to help us.
1: Yeah, those will be some great tests. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, for Ned Botneil, for Dr. Chris Jones, and for B. Roomba, this is Brian from Hogs Haven. Thank you for tuning in, Oscar. Thank you so much for your time. Best of luck for the rest of the season, and thank you to everyone for listening. This was Hogs Night, a podcast.